Hello and welcome to Business Bites, the new Denton's podcast series. Here we offer short, insightful episodes you can listen to on demand whenever and wherever you like. Sharing insights from across multiple markets through a series of interviews with leaders in the legal profession and other business specialists from Denton's, Business Bites takes a look at the solutions helping to address the challenges that companies are currently facing. In short, it's tailored at serving you up a recipe for success. In today's episode, we have Denton's partners Anouk Rosiel, who's based in Amsterdam, in conversation with Tim Constable and Thomas Schnabel, who are based in London and Dusseldorf, respectively. With backgrounds in litigation and dispute resolution, they're joining us to discuss one of the most frequently debated legal topics during this crisis, and that is force majeure. Anouk, Tim, Tomasz, welcome and thank you for joining us today on the Business Bite series. Thank you, Marianne. The COVID-19 pandemic has shaken societies all over the world to their cause. In its slipstream, discussions have risen about non-performance of commercial contracts. Anyone who's put their ear to the street or was on a law firm's mailing list knows that force majeure was the buzzword in the first months. The consequences of the measures that were put in place to curb the COVID-19 virus were so abrupt that a debate transpired about the question, is COVID-19 pandemic a circumstance that allows me to invoke the force majeure clause in my contract? Thomas, Tim, the COVID-19 pandemic is a testing ground for force majeure. What do you think are the preliminary results? Many thanks, Anouk. Well, actually, the most interesting fact is the variety of COVID-19 related issues. So at the beginning, we expected mainly discussions over disruptions of supply chains. And instead, we have seen cases across various sectors where the COVID-19 pandemic actually had an impact on contracts, but also many cases where a contract party quickly jumped on force majeure and tried to stop, suspend or improve their contractual or legal obligations. So most force majeure clauses we have seen do not cover a pandemic scenario. And there can be a different impact depending on the countries or sectors involved. Pandemic is not comparable to the usual force majeure events such as acts of God, war, riots, etc. Plus, most force majeure clauses are black and white. So if it is force majeure, a party may suspend the performance entirely. And if the force majeure event continues for some time, the parties may terminate the contract entirely. There's not much flexibility in most clauses we have seen. But perhaps I can share some examples when we have worked with parties who have invoked force majeure. So um, cases where force majeure is rather obvious were delivery delays because the goods were transported, for instance, by trucks across several European countries. And all of a sudden, the borders were closed and the goods were eventually delivered with severe delays. But we have also seen cases relating to commercial leases in the real sector, which has actually been hit hard. And in addition, there was German emergency COVID legislation, which prevents landlords from terminating these contracts in case of non-payment of the rent. So in most cases we have seen both landlord and tenant found a mutual solution as they wanted to continue a trusting relationship. And there were rarely discussions about whether a COVID-19 related store or office closure would actually be force majeure or not. And then, of course, there were the retailers who canceled or suspended purchase orders with their suppliers. They just said, well, our store is closed, so we cannot sell on the products. We don't have a market force majeure. Other cases involved, for instance, the construction sector. So we had a contractor who invoked force majeure with the explanation that the site manager belonged to the risk group and had to stay home. So there was not actually a force majeure case. It was just the argument that uh, the site manager is part of the risk group. And the contractor then requested a suspension of the project or alternatively that our client takes over the site management with all the risks involved. And Tim, I assume you also have some interesting examples of how parties dealt with or tried to invoke force majeure? Yes. 
Thanks, Thomas. Uh, force majeure is one of those areas of law which is only raised uh, sometimes as now in light of exceptional and newsworthy events. For example, much of the English law in this area developed over a century ago when the coronation of Queen Victoria's uh, son, King Edward VII, was postponed the day before it was due to take place because he was suffering from typhoid. Numerous cases sprang up about all the events uh, which had to be cancelled as a result, and that's that's where it sort of all really kicked off. Back to today, we're seeing similar things. For example, uh, we're acting for a state-owned uh, enterprise which was sponsoring a global sporting event, which was cancelled due to COVID. We're also seeing significant supply chain disruption caused by logistics personnel being simply too ill, for example, to provide uh, contractually compliant levels of service, or where people are prevented by COVID legislation from performing their obligations. In these types of cases, we're seeing uh, often the parties come up with pragmatic solutions um, to try and deal with the difficulties thrust on them. For example, with the sporting events, uh, one of the most obvious ways of mitigating the damage is to postpone the event rather than to cancel it altogether. And it's not just the direct effect of COVID which will cause problems. We're also at the start of a deep global recession caused by COVID, which will have an inevitable knock-on effect with parties' ability to perform the contract. Using the Examples above, the sporting event or the logistics supply may not have been affected by COVID, but rather by the economic effect of COVID. For example, because somebody in the chain has gone bust. Let's also not forget the other side of the equation. It is inevitable that many companies uh, will use COVID as an excuse to get out of performance of an onerous contract, when re in reality, it's got nothing to do with COVID at all. In other words, a trial. Yes, Tim, that's actually a good point. I've been having more and more talks with my clients where they're either actively looking at amendment or termination of their contracts, or are confronted with a counterparty that can't or won't perform. And force majeure at its face value seems a remedy. But in your view, what would be the pitfalls when you invoke a force majeure clause? In our experience, the most crucial point is really finding the right tone when invoking offending or force majeure. So if you use an aggressive tone from the very outset or, or make a massive request for suspension performance or suspension of payment or request a big price reduction or whatever, this will inevitably end in a hostile environment, especially if you, you really do it on your very first approach of the contract counterparty. And we've seen if, if the tone is set right from the very outset and the contractual relationship was at least somewhat healthy prior to the pandemic, then the parties were always able to find a mutual agreement in, in very short time, actually. And um, the discussion we have seen, they mainly focused on a reasonable interim solution and not about legal requirements or if it is force majeure or not, or just the like. In English law, the main pitfall of invoking a force majeure clause is that you are wrongly invoking it. Uh, this could be either because the force majeure clause doesn't cover the situation faced by the parties, or that the problem in your specific case is not the actual cause of the issue. The other thing to bear in mind is that there are usually some pretty blunt consequences if uh, force majeure is properly in play. The consequences are usually either suspension of the contract and or termination of the whole thing. Uh, suspension of the contract may be hard on one party if the market is falling. So, for example, we had a case this week where the supplier tried to impose a force majeure uh, delay over the supply of face masks. Now, you may be relieved to know that the market for uh, the market price for face masks is rapidly falling at the moment. But that would not have been good news uh, for um, the customer in this case. 
or it could be termination of the contract, which is a very blunt instrument uh, indeed. And the parties must always remember that the seller may have to return upfront payments or the buyer may have to pay for work already done. Thomas, I agree with you. The right tone at the start can work wonders. Just pick up the phone. Thank you both for that. Uh, I think we're seeing that there's been a perhaps unjustified focus on the force majeure. It's the holy grail of remedies for non-performance. And from what we're discussing today, it seems that force majeure may indeed not be the perfect or the only solution. That sort of makes me wonder, if not force majeure, then what? Should we look at other remedies when performance becomes difficult or impossible? Just to quickly draw from my own experience as a Dutch lawyer, a relevant Dutch remedy uh, could be to invoke so-called unforeseen circumstances, and those justify the amendment or termination of a contract. That's actually a much more attractive result than what can be accomplished under the statutory Dutch force majeure rule, which only allows for a right to suspend performance without being liable for the damages as a result of that suspension. And actually, very recently, the Netherlands Commercial Court, our English language court for commercial dispute, ruled that the COVID pandemic could indeed be considered an unforeseen circumstance. Absolutely, and quite often, in fact, uh, force majeure is a terrible remedy. In English law, force majeure, as it's called, is not a law at all. It's a, just a clause which often appears in a group of general clauses at the end of commercial contracts alongside such things as governing law, provisions about amendment, services of notice, that sort of thing. We call them boilerplate clauses in the UK. The thing about boilerplate clauses is they are, they're often inserted into a contract at the last minute with not a great deal of thought to those clauses ever needing to be used. So you may, for example, either be pleasantly surprised when you dust off your contract and have a look at the clause, or you may be horrified to see what the clause uh, contains. For example, the clause may not cover COVID-19 situations at all, or if it does, the clause may be heavily weighted in favour of one party or another. In England, similarly to what is, is the case in the continent, there is a law of um, what we call frustration. It's designed to deal with situations where there are intervening acts such as COVID, but where the situation is not dealt with by a force majeure clause. So it's, it's pretty rarely needed. And when it is triggered, the only available court option is cancellation of the contract, working out what money should be returned. So it's quite inflexible, but it should be considered if a party is faced with this type of uh, situation. Probably, in my view, though, the best solution by far, good old fashioned amicable discussions. Over 95% of all English disputes settle before trial. And these disputes should be even easier to settle, considering that we are literally all in this together. There's also a greater flexibility. The parties can agree whatever they want, including postponement or partial performance or whatever. The dispute can be set by the parties talking together um, between themselves in, in what in England we call without prejudice discussions, which means that nothing that is said can go before a judge. Or the parties can involve specialist dispute resolution lawyers who are very experienced in settling disputes and who have any number of strategies to assist, for example, mediation. I mean, in Germany, we have a legal concept which is quite similar to the Dutch law, I think, and this has the uh, somewhat cumbersome term of interference with the basis of the transaction basically means that a party which is affected by circumstances which were not foreseeable at the time of entering into the contract and which have a severe impact, um, then the affected party may have a claim for amending the contract. Such amendment is quite flexible, can include um, partial or full suspension, deferral of payments, reduction of obligations or claim for expenditures. And then only as a last resort, an amendment is not possible or unreasonable to either party, the contract may be terminated. Thank you. 
Hearing your insights from the UK and Germany, it seems force majeure isn't necessarily the answer for the consequences of a global pandemic. But at the same time, we should expect these types of global crises to occur more often. Does this require redrafting of our force majeure clauses or should we be looking at a different solution altogether? Tim, Thomas, what do you think is the future of the force majeure clause? Yeah, it may be too late for this round of COVID, uh, or this wave of COVID, uh, to amend the force majeure clauses. Uh, but there may be further waves in future where this could come into play. It's in the interest of both contracting parties to try and agree a sensible set of measures now, uh, having gone through this experience once, uh, to see what should be done when or if this happens again. Check with the lawyers as, as soon as you can on this point there's not a moment to be lost what if the other party though is not being reasonable what for example they're taking unfair advantage of covid to try and get out of a contract or what if the parties simply can't iron out their differences well look if things go wrong and a dispute arises the contract will also dictate whether the forum for the dispute should be courts or arbitration but those, those are the most uh, popular alternatives. Um, English courts are really trying to carry on in the current environment, but sometimes with success, other times with, with difficulty because so, many, so much of the bureaucracy is dealt with by civil servants who may not be at work. On the other hand, arbitration um, seems to be having no such difficulties. Thank you, Tim. Listening to this, there also seems to be a silver lining, as in that the COVID situation also causes parties to take a second good look at their contracts and rethink the terms uh, now that these contracts have been given a stress test. Would you say that these uncertain times may actually be an opportunity to explore renegotiation of unfavourable terms and to redefine the contractual relationships between parties? Absolutely. Showing sympathy to the situation of your contract counterparty is a perfect opportunity actually to strengthen the relationship. Plus, replacing uncertain provisions by a new set of balanced rules may help both parties to steer through the situation without disputes over who is responsible for what and who is not. Yes, I agree, Thomas. The downside of contracts at the start of a deal is that they can't anticipate exactly what's going to happen. See if you can pick up the phone now, sort out a sensible arrangement, but always beware opportunists. To end on a positive note, everyone expects a rapid recovery and it's possible not only to survive COVID, but also to thrive in the future as a result of it. But in this case, keep talking. Thank you, Anouk Tim Thomas. That gives us some real food for thought and we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. To our listeners, we hope you'll join us next time on Business Bites as we consider changes in working conditions, something that's particularly topical now as companies across Europe are returning or preparing to return to their workplaces. And do keep an eye out for more bite-sized podcasts coming soon. Thank you and stay safe. <laughs>